0: and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. I would like to continue this evening uh, with the explanation, the sharh of Lum'at al itiqad al-Hadi bin al al-Rashad maal ibn Qudama rahimahullah In the previous lecture we had begun to discuss in the previous lectures we had begun to discuss the chapter entitled Al-Iman Bi-kulli akhbar bihi ar rasul Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Having faith or Iman Or belief in everything that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has informed us about We said that those things which we are required It is obligatory Muslim to believe in Is that which has been authentically reported From the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of the past events, the events of the previous or earlier nations as well as those things take those places, uh, that may take place in the future, future events and the first thing that Imam Ibn qudama mentions of those things <coughs> is uh, al-isra wal-mi'raj yani the night journey and the ascension of the Prophet from Mecca to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem the ascension to the heavens. The second matter that we discussed it was the coming of the angel of death to Musa ﷺ uh, and what took place in that meeting. The third. Uh, matter that we discussed came under the point number 57 which we discussed last week that is Ashrat As-sa'a the signs of the nearness of the hour of judgment and we mentioned some of those signs as did <coughs> Imam Ibn Qadama Rahimahullah in point number seven, uh, 57 in which he said وَمِنْ ذَلِكْ as-saa," and from amongst those things which we are required to believe in are the signs or the indications of the nearness of the hour of judgment, Mithl Khuruj الدجال dajjal <coughs> the coming forth of الدجال dajjal the Antichrist, al-Masih Ad dajjal wa nuzul Isa ibn Maryam alayhi and also the descending from the heavens of Isa ibn Maryam, Jesus, peace be upon him, who would kill الدجال Likewise, of amongst, amongst those signs of the nearness of the hour, and these are of the major signs, khuruj, ya'ajuj, wa ma'ajuj, or the coming forth or emergence of two nations of people, multitudes, who are known as ya'ajuj and ma'ajuj, or zag and maghal. Also he mentioned khuruj ad-dabba, that is the emergence or coming forth from the earth of a beast that would come from the earth as mentioned uh, in the hadith of the prophet ﷺ, and also in the Quran and that this would speak to the people and the last of those things which he mentioned ash-shamf min the rising of the sun from its place of setting from the west and, and also other similar things which are similar in nature which have been authentically reported from the Prophet sallallahu the Shaykh in his explanation mentioned the definition of Al-Ashraat its definition linguistically it means Al-Allama where is the plural of Shurt meaning Al-Allama a sign or an indication and he said that Al-Sa'ad means Al-Waqt or time and the intended meaning here it means the time of Al-Qiyamah, the Resurrection, or the standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for taking account. So the Ashraat al it means, in the technical terminology of the Sharia, it means those Alamat, Alamat, those signs which indicate the nearness of the day of Resurrection. you mentioned I mean some brief discussion concerning each of those points, the coming forth of Al-Dajjal, the descending of Isa bin Maryam salam, the Ya'ajuj and Ma'ajuj and what is related to it and the evidences from the Quran and Sunnah for each of them as well as the beast that would come from the earth and the rising of the sun from the west or the rising of the sun from its place of setting where it normally sets, it will rise from that place as a major sign of the nearness of the Hour of Judgment and we said that <coughs> this is the sign after its appearance faith or Iman from anyone would not be accepted it would not benefit them whoever believes at that point the belief would not be accepted if they didn't believe before and do good deeds based on that Iman the next point that mentions he goes on to discuss here now the matters related to what will happen after death يعني, The things related to the grave And the punishment in the grave Or the pleasure in the grave The trial or questioning in the grave The resurrection, accounting, and so on In point number 58 Ali Imam Ibn Qadam Rahimahullah says al-qabr." وَنَعِيمُهُ حَقٌ عذاب القبر وَنَعِيمُهُ حَقٌ that the punishment in the grave and as well as its pleasure the نعيم in the grave it is حق it is true it is a reality it is a reality وَقَدْ اِسْتَعَاذَا النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْهُ and the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He in fact used to seek refuge from the punishment in the grave. He used to seek refuge in Allah from the punishment in the grave. And this is a proof of the reality of it. There is no need or there is no benefit in seeking refuge. Supplicating Allah asking for His protection from something that is not real. وَأَمَرَ بِه فِي كُلِّ صَلَاتٍ يعني the Prophet used to seek refuge in Allah from the punishment in the grave and he used to order that the people also seek refuge in Allah from the punishment in the grave in every salat and he used to command the people in every prayer you should seek refuge in Allah from the punishment in the grave and the hadith concerning this are numerous uh, recorded in Al-Bukhari and Muslim where the Prophet said in the end of the prayer you should seek refuge in Allah from four things and from amongst them is seeking refuge in Allah from Azab al Qabr. The second point, Alam al Qadan mentions point number fifty-nine, وَفِتْنَةُ الْقَبْرِ حَقٌ and likewise the fitna in the grave, and the trial or the testing in the grave, it is real, it is a reality, it is true. Wasalu munkar. And the questioning of the two angels, Munkar and Nakir, this questioning, they would question the people when they are buried in the grave, this question is also real. It is true. Likewise, the resurrection, the raising up of the people to life after death, coming back to life again, it is also a reality. It is true. وَذَلِكَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ And this will be the resurrection the raising the people back to life again restoring their life after death it will take place at the time when the angel israfil blows into the horn or the trumpet and this is mentioned here Ibn mentions as a proof for this the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Yaseen chapter 36 verse 51 فَإِذَا هم مِنَ الْأَجَدَاتِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَنْسِلُونَ But verily at that time, at the time of the blowing of the trumpet, and he mentions part of the verse, the beginning of that verse, وَنِفِخَ فِي السُّورِ and when the trumpet will be blowing, in the second blowing, if you look at the, uh, the ayat before that, it mentions the first blowing of the trumpet, and then in this ayat it mentions, وَنِفِخَ فِي السُّورِ the blowing in the trumpet, or the trumpet will be blown. this is the second blowing, then they would be coming forth from the graves <laughs> They will be coming out of the graves quickly. Concerning these two points, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen <laughs> May Allah protect and preserve him. <clears throat> he discussed the matters related to these two points and before this discussion we should remind ourselves that lumat al by wa'alimah ibn Qudama, is a mukhtasr, a summarized uh, essay concerning the Islamic beliefs and for this reason many of the things <coughs> that he mentions here are mentioned in brief sometimes he mentions an evidence an ayah from Quran or hadith but in passing there is not a detailed discussion, and likewise the Sheikh in his explanation has also been brief. He has not made a lengthy discussion, and it is important to keep in mind that some of these matters, especially in our day and time, are of utmost importance that they be discussed in more detail. Now is not the time for the full discussion of these things, but we should keep in mind, especially concerning those matters which are proven in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, while at the same time rejected by many of the Muslims due to their ignorance of the Sharia and ignorance of the Quran and the Sunnah or due to their being misled or misguided by the Shaytan and his followers. So we should keep in mind that some of these matters even though they are clear that people have been deceived and misled concerning them and at a future time inshallah, we should we hope that there will be a chance to go into some further discussion concerning these matters especially the punishment in the grave which has been rejected by a large number of Muslims of the past and many of them today who have not accepted the beliefs as they have been established in the Quran and Sunnah and understood by the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa radiallahu anhum ajma'een Shaykh begins by discussing fitna al qabr fitna al qabr the fitna in the grave the trial or the testing in the grave and he says al fitna linguistically it means al ikhtibar linguistically it means al ikhtibar fitna it means test or examination wa fitna al qabr and what is intended by fitna al qabr it means the الْمَيِّتْ عَنْ رَبِّهِ وَدِينِهِ وَنَبِيِّهِ It means here, fitna al qabr, it means the examination, or exactly it means the questioning of the dead person. When the person is buried, they will be questioned concerning their deen. What is your deen? the rab, who is your lord? And the prophet, who is your Prophet. These three questions have been narrated in numerous hadith, authentically transmitted from the Prophet It would be an examination, a test, and only those who Allah has given the tawfiq or the success to will be able to answer And Those who are obedient to Allah and believing in Him and following the correct way in their life Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them the success or ability to answer those questions this fitna al qabr or the testing or examination or the trial in the grave the Sheikh says it is established it is confirmed in the Quran as well as in the sunnah and here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah ibrahim chapter 14 verse 27 bil في الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا في الأخرة. That Allah subhanahu wa will make firm. يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Allah will make firm those who believe. بِالْقَوْلِ الثَّابِتِ With a firm word. في الحيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا In this world. وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ And as well as in the next life. Allah will make them firm. He will make them steadfast. And they will be able to answer the questions at the time of the اختبار the examination of the Sidnetul Qabr also the saying of the Prophet sallallahu concerning this ayah and that this ayah is applicable and this is actually the meaning of it it is recorded in Al-Bukhari and Muslim and that hadith is the hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azib radiAllahu anhu he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Al-Muslimu إذا سئل في القبر شاهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله. So that the Muslim, when he will be asked, or if he is asked in the grave, he will testify, or he will bear witness that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah, and that Muhammad صلى is the messenger of Allah. فذلك قوله تعالى يثبت الله الذين آمنوا بالقول الثابت. فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وفي الاخرة. And this this questioning of the Muslim in the grave and bearing witness to Allah and the Muslim of Allah وسلم, This is what is intended by the saying of Allah سبحانه وتعالى That Allah will make firm those who believe with a firm word القول الثابت يعني لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله, The shahada Allah will make them firm in this saying in this life as well as in the next life This is <clears throat> the saying of the Prophet but the meaning of this ayat it is the question of the Muslim in the grave as reported by Al-Bukhari, a Muslim then the Shaykh says that the one who would ask the question it is two angels who will ask the question? two angels and this is based on the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa recorded from Abu Huraira which he attributed to the Prophet and it has been recorded by an imam muslim he said the Messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi said he fi anhu قَالَ يَأَتِيهِ مَلَكَانِي فَيُقْعِدَانِهِ يعني that every person, every slave, every human being when they are placed in, in the grave, when he is placed in his grave or she is placed in her grave and their associates, family, friends or whoever ashab turn away from him and leave him when he is left when the last person leaves that person is alone in the grave at that time <coughs> and they will hear the sound of their sandals or the shoes of their people while they are walking away at that time two angels will come to him and sit with him this hadith is recorded by al-imam muslim uh, the hadith of anas ibn malik radiyallahu anhu as for the name of these two angels not mentioned in the riwayah of Muslim or in the report as given by Muslim <coughs> but they are mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah that is reported in the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi and At-Tirmidhi said this hadith is hasm Gharib and inshaAllah we are going to take some time to study some of these technical terminologies of hadith so that they will be clear to us for the future as we are studying the Islamic sciences. He said, tirmidhi said this hadith is hasan gharib and basically it means that the hadith is a good hadith, it's reliable and acceptable but less than the grade of sahih and gharib it means that the isnad, the chain of narrators of hadith, it means that at some place in that isnad it was only one narrator who reported it, gharib. It literally means strange, but that's not the meaning in Muskara Hadith. The meaning here it means that it came from one chain. Or oh, at some point in the chain there's one person. <coughs> Many of the hadiths which I read are not authentic, but this hadith, it is a good hadith, it is Hasan, A Shaykh Muhammad Nusardin Al Al Bani, said that this hadith if mad is Hassan. al Muslim. And it is uh, it is fulfilling in the condition of Al-Imam Muslim. The condition that Imam Muslim said for his hadith in his book, in his sahih, this hadith fulfills the conditions of Imam Muslim <clears throat> The narratives in the chain are narratives that were accepted and used by Al-Imam Muslim in his sahih. Here the shaykh says <coughs> that the names of those two angels are Munkar and Nakir, as recorded in that hadith uh, of At-Tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Hurairah. As for that question, the questioning in the grave, he says that it is general for all mukallafin. Mukallafin means those who are responsible, all those who reach the age of responsibility, reach the age of maturity, where they are accountable for their actions they will all be questioned whether of the believers or disbelievers from the Ummah of Muhammad and from other than the Ummah of Muhammad yani the questioning the grave is not limited as some people thought only to the Muslim Ummah, the followers of Muhammad وسلم, the last muslim of Allah but in fact the Shaykh says and this is the most correct opinion that the questioning will be for believers as well as disbelievers for the people of the Ummah of Muhammad as well as the previous nations. This is the most correct opinion of the scholars of Ahlul Sumun al-Jama'ah. As for those who didn't reach the age of maturity or responsibility, there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to whether or not they would be questioned in the grave. Uh, but, from a lengthy discussion by Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim in his book Al-Ruh, the soul he seemed to lean towards that the more stronger opinion is that even those who didn't reach the age of maturity or puberty or responsibility that they would also be questioned. And then finally the Sheikh says the exception, uh, those who would be excused or accepted from this questioning are only the shaheed or the shuhada those who died as martyrs fighting in jihad in the ranks of the Muslim armies against the armies of the disbelievers and this is based on a hadith that's reported in the Sunan of Al-Nasa'i and that hadith is Sahih it was narrated from one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and he is not mentioned but again as we study, insha'Allah, in mustala Hadith, we know that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, all of them are adal. All of them are acceptable, reliable narratives. And they are not to be questioned. The fact that we don't know the name of a Sahabi doesn't have any effect on the authenticity of the Hadith. As long as it's confirmed that he was a companion, then his reports or narrations are accepted by the scholars of Hadith. So a man from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ has said, رجل أن رجلا قال يا رسول الله, said, الله ما بعل المؤمنين يفتنون في إلا الشهيد يعني what is it what is the matter of the believers that they will be tested and that they will be subjected to this fitna this examination or test in the grave accept the shaheed. And why is the shaheed? the martyr accepted from it على رَأْسِهِ فِتْنَةً And yani it was sufficient that the one who fought in jihad was already tested. He was already subjected to the fitna of the sounds of the swords above his head while he was fighting in jihad. Of course the sounds of swords was in time of the Prophet And today the meaning of it is applicable. That the one who goes on the battlefield and faces the enemy in jihad he is already tested by that that was sufficient for him so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not test him again in the grave he would be excused from that test due to the fact that he sacrificed himself and offered his life and faced the enemy in jihad this hadith is mentioned by Sheikh al-Bani the hadith is originally reported in the Sunnah bin Nafai and Sheikh al-Bani in his book Ahkam al-Janaiz the rulings or regulations concerning funerals on page 36, and he said, who Sahih," that the Isnad or chain of narrators is Sahih. So the testing in the grave, according to the strongest opinion of the scholars, is general for everyone. All people would be questioned, believers and disbelievers, from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu as well as others. And according to the most stronger opinion, even those who are who didn't reach the age of responsibility will also be questioned. And the only exception are the martyrs. The second point here that the shaykh discusses or explains it is related to عذاب الخبر ونعيمه and the punishment in the grave and its pleasure and the pleasure in the grave and these two matters uh, especially the punishment in the grave but they go together they are part of the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaa. while those who deviated from the correct belief uh, rejected this punishment in the grave and the reward of the pleasure in the grave, primarily due to their giving preference. As we mentioned concerning some of the deviant groups such as the Mu'tazila and the Ashariya, they have as a general rule, two general rules here that are applicable here, one of them is that they give precedence to the aql, over the naql, they give precedence to the intellect, over the revelation, that which is received by revelation from Qur'an and Sunnah. This is the general principle that they followed. Therefore, when their intellect led them to reject something they didn't mind, even if it came in the Qur'an and Sunnah, they will give preference to their intellect. If it doesn't seem reasonable, logical, acceptable to their intellect, then they rejected it. And so they rejected the punishment in the grave based on their intellect they said if we open the grave we don't see any punishment taking place in there so how can we believe such a thing? the intellect the intellect rejects it so they said then we cannot believe such thing and also the other principle that's applicable here uh, that is an important principle which we discussed on one occasion at least and it is an important principle indeed it is the idea that some of the deviant groups rejected matters of aqidah if they were not narrated by hadith If they were not narrated by hadith, they said if it came from hadith ahad, only a few chains of narratives, one or two or three or a small number, then they said it is is doubtful, it is not certain, it doesn't have certainty. Therefore, we don't accept aqidah or beliefs from those things that are not certain. And they said, a hadith, ahad, I'm not certain, so they also rejected it. And they said there is no mutawatir hadith confirming the punishment in the grave, so they also don't believe in the punishment in the grave. Uh, here the shaykh says, that the punishment in the grave and its pleasure, it is a reality, it is true, and it is confirmed. By, from the obvious meaning of the Qur'an, or the apparent meaning of Qur'an that which could be understood from the Qur'an and the obvious meaning of the sunnah. Yani, there is text in the Qur'an which suggest it and there are words from the Prophet وسلم which clearly, specifically indicated and it is also confirmed by ijma' or consensus of the people of sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an in Surah Al-Waqiyah verse 83 and 84 Falawla <coughs> إِذَا بَلَغَتِ الحلقوم وَأَنْتُمْ إذن يعني, when the soul reaches the throat, at that time, when the soul reaches the throat, at the point of death, when a person's soul coming out of their body, وَأَنْتُمْ هِينَ إِذٍ and you will be at that time in waiting. Up to the saying of Allah وتعالى, in, the end of, in the later verses 88 and 89, the saying of Allah, فَأَمَّا إِنْ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُقَرَّبِينَ فَرَوْحٌ وريحان وَجَنَّةُ نعيم. As for those who are of, those who will be near to Allah, yani the obedient, the righteous people, who <coughs> Allah will bring them near to, to Him, فَرَوْحٌ وريحان وَجَنَّةُ نعيم. Then they would have at that time, when the soul uh, goes out of the person's body, then the... People who are near, the believers, the righteous, they would be rewarded. And they would enjoy something of the Jannah to Naeem. That they would enjoy the Naim or the bounty or the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even while they are in the grave. The Prophet made it more clear. In a lengthy hadith, the shaykh mentions it here. That hadith in which the Prophet or first he mentions the hadith uh, or in which there are many. The hadith that the Prophet ﷺ used to seek refuge in Allah from the punishment in the grave. And he used to order his ummah or his followers or the Muslims to do likewise. This hadith is recorded in the Sahih of Muslim, the hadith of Ibn Abbas. May Allah be pleased with him and his father from the Prophet ﷺ that he used to teach them this du'a. Just as he used to teach them a chapter from the Quran. Yani he used to recite it to them and have them to recite back to him. He used to teach them this dua, taking refuge from the punishment of the grave. He used to teach it to them just as he used to teach them a chapter of the Quran. And he mentioned the part of the hadith which is applicable. Allahumma inni bika min azab Jahannam bika min azab al-qabr. These are two of the four things mentioned in the hadith. That, O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the punishment of hellfire, and I seek refuge in you from the punishment in the grave. This hadith and this supplication, which the Prophet ﷺ used to supplicate with, and he used to order the Muslims to do so, and as Abdul ibn Abbas anhuma, said, he used to teach it to us in the same way, with the same care and concern that he used to teach us the Quran. That's how important it was. He used to teach the Muslims to say it, and he ordered us to do so in every prayer. This or a similar hadith has also been narrated in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Similar wording, seeking refuge from the punishment in the grave, on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha, and in the Sahih Muslim, on the authority of Abu Hurairah, and in the Sahih Muslim, on the authority of Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhum ajma'in. All of these companions of the Prophet ﷺ narrated such hadith reported in both Al-Bukhari and Muslim or in one of them. And this is the first proof of the reality of the punishment in the grave. Also the shaykh mentioned the saying of the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azib the famous hadith of Al-Bara in which it is mentioned the incident or occasion of the fitness al-qabr or the trial in the grave and he said concerning the believer. And this hadith Al-Baraa mentions the saying of the Prophet ﷺ. He would describe what would happen to the people when they died. He first described what would happen to the believer. And then he described what would happen to the disbeliever. Concerning the believer he said, يُنَادِي فينادي مِنَ أَن صَدَقَ عَبَدِي مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَأَلْبِسُهُ وَأَفْسَحُ لَهُ بَاباً إلَى الْجَنَّةِ فَيَأْتِهِ مِنْ رِيحِهَا وَطِيبِهَا وَيُفْسَحُ لَهُ فِي قَبْرِهِ مُضَبَّصَلِهِ يعني كان سليم الأبنية، بطراف الصلاة الله عليه وسلم، said that he would call out from the heavens that a servant of Allah, my servant, he has been truthful or faithful to that which he claimed his belief in, he said that he believed in me, and he practiced it, and he acted in accordance with it. Sadaqa abdi, he has been truthful, he has confirmed that which he claimed to believe in by his actions. الجنة, so make a place of resting for him from the jannah, and clothe him with clothing from the jannah, and open for him a door to the jannah, so he can see in the jannah the reward, and the blessings and bounties that the people will have in Jannah. And from that door that would be opened for him while he's in the grave, there will come to him the wind or the air and the sweet smell of the paradise. And his grave also would be widened for him so that he would be comfortable and content while he was in the grave. And it would be widened for him to the extent of his sight as far as he could see that's how spacious and wide would be his place in the grave. As for the Kafir, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that a caller will call out from the heavens and that my slave, my servant has lied, he has denied and he has not been a believer so make for him a bedding from the hell fire and open for him a door from the hell fire. Then, they will come to him from that doorway the heat and the smell and the smoke of the hellfire. hatta and at that time his grave would be tightened and narrowed to such an extent that his bones would come together through one another and he would be squeezed or crushed in his grave this hadith is reported by al-imam Ahmed in his Musnad and Imam Abu Dawood in his rahimahum Rahimahumullah and here it is mentioned that Imam Ahmed mentioned this hadith in a number of places and the Shaykh al-Albani Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him narrated the different reports of this hadith he collected them together uh, in order to complete the narration of it as a very very lengthy hadith giving all the descriptions or many of the descriptions of those things that are of the things of the unknown the things that no one can know except by revelation of the Prophet ﷺ, it was made known to him from Allah and he informed us of it and these things a Muslim should read and review and reflect upon in order to know and to understand the reality of what is going to take place after life so that a person can be prepared for it when we know of the rewards The bounty and favor and pleasure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give even in the grave before we reach the final destination, it is an encouragement to do good. And when you know of the punishment, the severity of the punishment and the suffering and torment that a person is going to experience in the grave even before they reach the hellfire, then it is also an encouragement to avoid doing acts of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet informed us of some of these things in detail as Allah revealed it to him so that we would know about it and we could get any benefit from it. Uh, Then he says, concerning this, the early generations of the Muslims or the first generations of the Muslims and in general, the Ahl al-Sunnah, the people of Sunnah have reached agreement concerning the confirmation or the affirmation of punishment in the grave as well as the pleasure that will be experienced in the grave. And this has been mentioned by Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, in his book, Ar-Rawh, Ar-Ruh, the, the soul or the spirit. Uh, and here he says that some of those disbelievers or rejectors, they have denied the punishment in the grave giving two reasons for doing so they said that if we were to open the grave and look inside we wouldn't have found anything we wouldn't have seen any person's pleasure or reward or bounty or favors or anyone experiencing punishment, or torment, or pain, or suffering. Therefore, we reject it. The Shaykh says that they are refuted, number one, by the fact of the indications of the Qur'an, the indications of the Qur'an, of the punishment and reward in the grave, as well as the clear mentioning of such in the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and finally by the consensus of the first generations of the Muslims, the Sahaba, the Tabi'in, and Adwar Tabien, The second refutation of them it is the Shaykh says that the matters of the hereafter cannot be compared or weighed according to the matters or the affairs of this world. Yani the life in this world is not the same as the life in the next world, therefore we cannot determine or judge something in the next life based on the standards of this world. Because the life in the next world is a different life than the life in this world. And he says that the punishment and the uh, pleasure in the grave is not something that like what we experience in this world. The experience in this world is by the five senses. And the experience in the next world is different. Because the life in this world is different from the life uh, in the next world. Therefore, we should not make P.S. or comparison between the things of this world and the things of the next world. And this is the general rule that we know. Even the punishment in the next life that's described in the Quran and in the Sunnah, and the rewards in Jannah that's described in the Quran and Sunnah, we cannot compare those things to the things in this world and think that they will be exactly the same. Even the names that may be used may be the same, but the reality of it is different. Because the Prophet said that what will be experienced in paradise is something that no human being has seen or heard or no one's heart has been able to experience, and it's nothing that we experience in this world is different. Therefore, the Shaykh says, from these two uh, perspectives we refute them. First, by the indication of the Quran and Sunnah, and consensus of the early generation of the Muslims, of the reality and affirmation of punishment, and pleasure in the grave, and also uh, the rejection of the idea that we can make chaos or comparison between the things of this world and the things of the next. Here the shaykh asks the question which has been discussed in books in length, but in brief in one paragraph, he says, is the punishment in the grave and the pleasure in the grave, is it experienced by the soul or the spirit, or is it experienced by the physical body? And is the punishment in the grave, is it experienced by the body, the person's body that's put in the grave or is experienced by their soul or their spirit. And he just and you know, he mentions briefly uh from Majmu al Fatawa of Ibn Taymiyyah, volume four, page two hundred eighty two, uh his saying, Shayh Al Sal Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah said, The madhab of the Salaf al Ummah, wa know, the first generations, the early the predecessors of this ummah, their madhab or their position or their belief and the belief of the imams of ahl Sunnah wa Jum'ah is that Al-Azaab the punishment and al Naim, the pleasure or bounty or favor or reward it is experienced by the soul or the spirit of the dead person and as well by the body and also that the soul or the spirit it remains as a real entity after its separation from the body and it experiences some pleasure or some reward according to the actions of the person in this world and on occasion from time to time that soul or spirit may come back into contact with its body and in that case on that occasion the Azab, the punishment and the naim, the pleasure, will be experienced by both of them together. Yani the soul and the body. And there is lengthy discussions about this. <coughs> I think in the book, uh, there is a book by Ali Imam to kurtubi which the, name, the title of the book uh, doesn't come to my mind now. Uh, but there is a later book by Sheikh Omar al-Ashkar in which he wrote, made a series of books concerning the punishment uh the, <coughs> the, Jannah, the paradise and the hellfire and the, uh, the major resurrection and minor resurrection uh, and in those books he discussed this issue in detail and he mentioned some of the sayings of the earlier scholars and experiences that have been reported by innumerable people <coughs> that witnessed some people who experienced punishment in the grave. Uh I need mean to talk about it in detail. Yeah, I mean that some of the people actually witnessed this and seen it. Uh, and so not only is it something that's confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah and it is agreed upon by consensus of the early generation of the Muslims, but it's also something that some people have actually seen I and mean they have experienced. it. <laughs> uh, then he mentions the next topic is what was mentioned by al ibn Qadamah concerning uh, what will happen after the grave and in the resurrection, the beginning of the resurrection it will take place uh, at the time when Allah willed it to be and the angel will blow into the horn or the trumpet, the first one the first blowing it would be causing all people who are remaining on the earth to die, to fall into a swoon and the second one will bring forth all people those who passed away of the earlier generations from the first until the last here the Sheikh says ma'ruf, ma'roof blowing into the horn annafq blowing in the horn a sur, linguistically he said it means a horn or a trumpet and in the technical terminology the legal terminology of the sharia it means a great trumpet or a great horn that would be held by the angel Israfil and he would be waiting for the command to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him to blow into it. And it is a horn that is ready and waiting and the angel is waiting for the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to blow it. No one knows the hour except Allah, not even the angel who will announce it until Allah gives him the command. Here the shaykh says that Israfil is one of the noble angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is one of the carriers of the arsh of Allah and the blowing into the horn or the trumpet will be two blowings the first of them it will be the frightful blowing when he blows into it all of the people will fall into a swoon those who are living except whomever Allah wills and if Allah wills for someone to be exempted from that then only those would be exempted from it. The second blowing is for the da'ath or the resurrection. Uh, at the time of the second blowing then the people will be resurrected from their graves and all people will come forth and stand up awaiting the judgment. This has been indicated That is, the blowing of the trumpet has been indicated both in the by ijmah of the Muslim Ummah. The shaykh mentions first from surah al zumar verse 68 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ كِيَامٌ That there will be يعني, the blowing in the, into the horn will take place and everyone who is in the heavens and those who are in the earth يعني, all the living creatures in the heavens and the earth will fall into a swoon will become unconscious إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ except what Allah wills for this reason the scholars said that, that everyone will be subjected to this uh, fainting or falling into unconscious state except whom Allah wills because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicates here that there may be some exception to that and whoever is accepted is the one who Allah wills then then there will be a second blowing, then suddenly they will be standing room, waiting and looking also in surah Yasin chapter 36 verse 51 وَنُفِقَ فِي السُورِ فَإِلَا هُمْ مِنَ إِلَى And also, this is another ayat, the first one was mentioned in the ayats before, it, and the second blowing in the trumpet, at that time, they will come forth from the graves, coming forth to their Lord, quickly, coming forward. Uh, also, although it's not mentioned here, uh, all, no, although it's not mentioned here, some of the scholars differ concerning the blowing in the trumpet, and... Uh, we won't discuss it now, but there's some many discussions concerning it and Sheikh Omar Ashkar, Ashkar in his book discussed some of the opinions of the scholars concerning this those who said that it was two blowings and those who said that it was three and those who uh, said it was four and those who uh, said it was six or other numbers and the reasons for their opinions and that the strongest and most correct opinion is as Sheikh Muhammad mentions here that it is is two. This is the most correct opinion is the strongest opinion based on uh, the Qur'an as well as the hadith of the sallallahu alayhi here the shaykh mentions the hadith reported by al-imam muslim and it is a lengthy hadith uh, part of it he mentions here from Abdullah ibn Amr رضي الله أنهما he said قال رسول الله sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. sallam ثم ينفخ في السور فلا يسمعه أحد إلا أصغع ليت ورفع ليت ثم لا يبخى أحد إلا سعق ثم ينزل الله ثم ينزل الله مطرا كأنه طل أو ظل شك الراوي فتنبت منه أجساد الناس ثم ينفخ فيه أخرى فإذا هم قيام ينظرون the important part of this hadith in which Abdullah ibn Amr mentions that in describing the events of the resurrection he said then the horn will be blown into and no one uh, will hear it except that there will be deafening sound in their ears and then no one will remain except that they will all be in a swoon and Allah will send down a rain uh, from the heavens and it will cause the people to come forth and it will cause uh, the growth of new bodies their bodies would, would, would come forth from the earth, then a second uh, blowing would take place, and the people would stand up awaiting the judgment or the resurrection. This is the extent of what the Sheikh mentions concerning this matter. I don't know, what time is it? Eight minutes or eight. eight. Danny, the next point, perhaps we cannot cover it. Anyway, we can start and take as much of it as we can. The last point, uh, which we have on the handout, point number 60, the saying of imam Ibn Qudama, وَيُحْشَرُ النَّاسِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ حُفَاتًا قُرَاتًا غُرَلًا بُهْمًا That the people, all of humanity, they would be brought together, they would be gathered or collected together on the day of resurrection, barefooted, naked, uncircumcised, and buhman, buhman, wa'ani, laysamaahum shay, they will have nothing with them, as reported in the hadith, in the book, Adab uh, al-Mufrad of al al-Bukhari, we discussed this hadith previously, in an earlier point, from this very same book, buhman, perhaps if you look at the translation, in the translated copy of Lumat al irtiqad this word is left out, buhman, but in any case, the meaning of it, it means that the people will come forth, they would not have anything with them. And they will come forth, barefooted, naked, uncircumcised, and I think he only mentions these three characteristics. But actually there is a fourth word, Al-Imam al says, "buhman," and that is confirmed in the Adab Al-Mufrad of Al-Imam Bukhari in the Sahih Hadith. That the people asked, what is this Bukhman? The Sahaba, they asked him, and he said, uh, they wouldn't have anything with them. Yeah. And they would be uh, yeah, I mean free of anything. No one would be carrying anything or possessing anything. So the people would come forth in this condition for the resurrection. All of humanity, men and women, young and old, all people would come forth barefooted, naked, uncircumcised, without anything. And they would stand waiting in the Mawqas al-Qiyamah, the place, the appointed place of the standing, or the appointed place of resurrection, the appointed place of accounting. حتى يشفع فيهم نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى وسلم They will be standing in this condition waiting until our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would intercede for them. This intercession, it is Al-Shafa'a al the great intercession that would be only given to the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. It is the intercession which, it, where the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would respond to the people who would be in this frightful condition, and they would go to, from one prophet to another, asking them to intercede with Allah to get on with the judgment. And none of them would be able to intercede. And the right to do so would be given to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu الله عليه وسلم. At that point he would intercede with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to begin the judgment. And then Allah would take account of the people. Allah the blessed and the most high. He would take account from the people. Call them to account for their actions or their deeds in this world. وَتُنْسَبْ watanshah وتطاير صحف الأعمال إلى الأيمن At that point, the scale will be set up, and the records, the they will be sent forth, and the al الأعمال, the books of the deeds of the people in this world, would be dispersed to the right and to the left. Yeah, I mean to the right hand. Those who would receive their books in their right hands and those who would receive their books in their left hands. And here, I remember in the Qadama mentions from Surah Al-Inshikaq verses 7 through 12, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينِهِ As for those who would be given, the one who would be given his book in his right hand. What would be the condition of the person who is given his book in his right hand? And that person, he would be called to account an easy reckoning. Yani his account, Allah will make it easy for him. The one who gives his book in his right hand, Allah has favored him. And Allah will make it easy for him the calling to call into account. You know that the calling to account is a very severe matter. Because everything that a person did in this world, secretly and openly, things that even perhaps they have forgotten about or they thought insignificant, all of it is being recorded and a person will be called to account for all that they have done. But Allah out of his favor and his mercy, He will overlook and forgive and pardon the believers for much of what they have done and some will be favored with an easy reckoning. Allah will make it easy for them and that will be those who are giving their book in their right hand. إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ He would go returning to his family, to his people Happy, joyous, very, very pleased. وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ الظهري. As for the one who has given his record, who has given his book from behind his back. And as well those who are given their records in their left hand. As mentioned by Ibn al-Qudama that the books will be given to the right hand and the left hand. And this ayah specifically mentions those who will be given their records of their deeds behind their back. فَالْصَوْفَ وَيَطْلَى Sahira And that person, the condition would be so severe, and it would be so difficult on them, that they would ask for, they would call for uh, destruction. They would want to be destroyed. They wouldn't want to stand forward to receive their accounting. And they would enter the blazing fire. Here the shaykh says, in the explanation, al الْبَعْثِ Al-Ba'ath, which is mentioned here by Al-Imam ibn Qadamah, he said, al linguistically, it means Al-Irsal, It means being sent forth or spreading something. Shar'an, legally, it means Ihya Al-Amwat القيامة It means giving life to the dead on the day of resurrection. Al-Ba'ath, بعد الموت al it means giving life to the dead on the day of resurrection. Yani the gathering hashr linguistically means to collect or to bring together and shar'an legally it means collecting all of the creatures on your kiyama for their accounting and for the judging between them. So he says al-ba'f yani wal-hashr, the resurrection and the collecting or gathering together, it is a reality that is confirmed in the Qur'an as well as in the sunnah and the consensus of the Muslims. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah at taghabun verse 7, قُلْ بَلَى وَرَبِّي لَتُبَأَثُنَّ Say, Nay, by my Lord, I swear by my Lord, I swear by Allah, that you will definitely be resurrected. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is all about Allah to say to them, I swear by my Lord, you will definitely be resurrected. And also the same Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in Surah al Verses 49 and 50 قُلْ إِنَّ وَالْآخِرِينَ إِلَى مَعْلُومٍ Say that verily All of the people from the first generations وَالْآخِرِينَ And the people from the later generations Meaning everyone All people from the first to the last La Majun will be all collected together ميقات, to an appointed place and time, Yaomi مَعْلُومُ a day that is well known. يعني يوم القيامة All people will be collected together and gathered for this day. Here he mentions the hadith of the Prophet reported by Al Bukhari and Muslim Buktaqunna alayh. The Prophet said, أَفْرَى كَقُرْصَةِ النَّقِي لَيْسَ فِيهَا عَلَمٌ li And if that the people would all be gathered together on the day of resurrection in a land or in a place that would be بَيْضَى Afra, it means it wouldn't be purely white and it would contain some redness kursa it means like a round piece of bread, round shape it means دقيت, يعني like uh, uh, flower that has been cleaned sifted sift out that there would be no symbol or sign or recognition uh, of any place of residence or any building or any sign of anything every in that place everyone would be just standing in an open plain no distinction or no recognition of anyone over another. All people would be naked, barefooted, uncircumcised, not possessing anything, no one would have any prestige, or any precedence, or any recognition over others. All people would be standing equally, waiting for the resurrection. Then he says, uh, perhaps we will stop here, there is still some uh, explanation, but he says that the Muslims have agreed by consensus, uh, on the confirmation of the gathering for the day of resurrection. And that the people would be gathered barefooted, they would not have any shoes or sandals upon them, naked, with no clothing upon them, uncircumcised, yani, la khitan him. Yani, no person would appear circumcised. All people would be as they came from their mother's womb. And this is mentioned, I and mean, here he mentions the ayah concerning such. That in Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 104 كَمَا أَوَّلَ خَلْقٍ مُعِيدُهُ Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Just as we began the first creation We will repeat it We will bring it back again And in the same condition that the people came At the first time into this world And the saying of the Prophet Concerning this matter He said إِنَّكُمْ تُحْشَرُونَ uratan ورلن ثم And he said that you will definitely be gathered together, uh, barefooted, naked, and uncircumcised. And when he said this, he read this verse from the Quran: كَمَا أَوَّلَ خَلْقٍ معيده علينا كنا And just as we began it, the first creation, will return it or repeat it. This is a promise upon us, and we will definitely do it. There is one sentence remaining after the ayah, inshaAllah. Allahu uh, Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Shaykh Muhammad, Sayyidina closes this uh, point and there remains Al-Hisab. Uh, before we go on to the next point insha'Allah, the next sitting. he close this point by saying, or mentioning the hadith from Al-Bukhari, the book of the Prophet's Al-Anbiya, the chapter entitled, Taala." What تعالى, وَاتَّفَذَ Ibrahim Ibrahim Khalila That Allah has taken Ibrahim as Khalil, as his close companion or bosom friend. And in the Sahih of Muslim, in the book of Al-Jannah, in the chapter entitled, the... Uh, disintegration of the dunya and the clarification of the gathering on Yom Kiyamah. He mentioned this hadith concerning Ibad.